this week that we'll be talking about this week. Uh, for chapter 41, the first to the ninth chapter. I've put in Matthew Henry's commentator commentary at the back of the notes today if anyone want to look at that. I'm starting to give extra notes and some of the notes that I go over while I'm trying to put together these studies. Chapter 1, uh, God displays his merciful providence in regard to the church. God's, And that's in chapter 41 of Isaiah. The merciful regards to the church. See, we have to realize that God's talking to us, have faith and belief in that, that we're born again, that these words are for our admonition, even given through the prophet Isaiah during his time. It was for the people coming out of the Babylonian captivity that was serving on the Cyrus and had went through at that time. Because no matter where you're at or what you're doing, there's always the crowd that's not doing with God, as this does. It's the ones that are bowing down to graven images, making graven images and idols in their lives. You don't want their lives or what they're doing to hinder you or hinder your progress in the Lord. So he sends his preachers and teachers to comfort his people. And that's what I said ever since the beginning of creation. He stayed on mission. That is making man in his image and his likeness. That's born again man. That's regenerated man. That's what the Spirit's work is of completing us. And Jesus Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith. Now that he's come, our focus is on him, having faith in him and what he's done, resting in the finished work of Christ. It says, Keep silence before me, O islands, and let the people renew their strength. Let them come near. Let them speak. Let us come near together to judgment. Not not just the people in the church, but the people in the church that are to contrary vision, the ones that are making idols, the ones that are, just like they're talking about, the abortionists don't have rights, or the the abortionists, this and that, that. Okay, God wants to hear all of the people. Everybody has a chance to voice or to come before in regards of the idols or what they're doing because it's the causation of what's happening. You remember I said cause and effect. What's happening to the nation and God has providence over all of the nations. And so he says, keep silence. Let each man have his petition. Those that want to say this or that. But we learn to keep silence. God's people learn to be silent in the Lord on some things. He said, who raised up the righteous man from the east, called him to his foot, and gave the nations before him, and made him rule over kings? He gave them as dust to his sword, and his driven stubble to his bow. He pursued them and passed safely, even by the way that he had not gone with his feet. Who had wrought and done it, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, the first and with the last, I am he. God says he's done all of this. He's the one that's calling everything from beginning to end. The idols or whatever you've made are nothingness, but you have your beliefs. You have whatever it is that is, that's in you. He said, the, first, the isles sought it. And when he says the isle, he's talking about the people, the scattered amount of people wherever they be in the coastlands or wherever they are and it says 
He says that I saw it and feared. The ends of the earth were fret and drew near and came. Remember, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. So all of them that are seeing these things, but may not be understanding. He says, they helped everyone his neighbor, and everyone said to his brother, be of good courage. So the carpenter encouraged the goldsmith, and he that smoothed it with a hammer, him that smote the anvil, saying, it is ready for the solder." And he fastened it with nails that it should not be moved. They were making their images, building their nations, building whatever they put their hands to in their ability. God didn't hinder or progress that. But do you hear God? Are you a child of God? What drummer are you marching to? Everybody marches to maybe to different beats. But are you marching to the beat of Christ Jesus? Some fasten these idols down to things that they structure in their lives. They're working together, and that's what I said. Corporately, we're building together, but individually, we do fall. What are we doing? Have we spiritually came out of Babylon? Those of us, that's what I say, what's in your purpose in your mind today? Are you fighting for your individuation in Christ? In other words, your individual salvation in seeking Him to hear Him and to continue to do good and realize that He has a purpose for you in mind. He says, But thou, Israel, art my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend, thou whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called thee from the chief men thereof and said unto thee, Thou art my servant, I have chosen thee and not cast thee away. Fear not, for I am with thee. He Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thine with the righteous hand of my righteousness. Behold, behold all they that were incensed against me, these shall be ashamed and confounded. They shall be as nothing, and they that strive with thee shall perish. So all of these enemies that we're worried about, the things that are coming up against us, the things that are against God. He's going to sort those things out. What we have to realize is that God is with us. God, by this prophet, is showing the folly of those who worship idols, who do other things, whose minds are other places, especially that though they're idols able to contest with him and control him like you doing this that you can make God in your image and likeness that God's on your side because this is the battle you decide to fight. Are we fighting his battles? Are we fighting our own battles? Are we being led by the Spirit of God? Time for keeping silence. Uh, it says, keep silence therefore before me. Now that can be, like I said, everything here can act as a double-edged sword. That's a time for all things. Joshua, the 6th chapter and the 10th verse, it says, And Joshua had commanded the people, saying, Ye shall not shout, nor make any noise with your voice, neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth until the day I bid you shout. Then ye shall shout. Watch your ground there, old Jericho. Marching around Jericho. It wasn't to say anything. We wasn't to vex the enemy or do anything but to be silent. 
to apply. That's what we have to learn sometimes, that God's working in silence sometimes. Sometimes you may not hear anything, but we have to learn to follow ordered orders and instructions and do as God says in Jeremiah, Jer- Joshua told him, don't say anything to the day I bid you to shout, and that's when you shout. So are we listening and being led by the Spirit of God? Sometimes the circumstances, when the circumstances demand, there's a time for all things. Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes says, a time to tear apart and a time to sew together, a time to keep silent and a time to speak. All of these are learned behaviors because that tongue can get you in a lot of things. But sometimes we have to hear a matter. Sometimes we have to let others talk, and without them talking or saying anything, we don't even see, know where they're staying or where a matter is. The other day my daughter was calling me and said, Well, Dad, can you do something? For I need you to do this for me or whatever. I said, Well, hold on, you tell me first, you know, because the book of Proverbs, and I sent her that scripture, I think it's Proverbs, the 18th chapter, the 13th chapter. It's a fool that answers a matter before he hears it, you know. Let them tell me what you want before I say, yeah, you know, you can't answer anything. So sometimes we have to be slow to speak, quick to hear. This also is an evil time, and there are a lot of voices out there. I was telling you about the House of Representatives lady the other day, what she was saying about church and state. Uh, she, she, it, it's sometimes, like I say, you can get a little bit of knowledge enough to be dangerous with. Uh, the Thomas Jefferson letter that she was talking about, a lot of people reference to when they talk about church and state. You, you have to be careful in saying that because God's government's going to rise. God's government's going to rule the earth or whatever. So we don't need to put forth and fight this battle here that maybe we should be quiet about that because God hadn't given us to be spokesman for us. See, sometimes some of us are speaking for God and that's what we want to say. Those are the things God said. I hadn't told them to say these things. There are many false prophets out there preaching and teaching the word of God. God hadn't given those things to say, but they are in the word of God. See, you have to speak a word in what due season at the right time. Is this specifically of God and about God? That That's where the misunderstandings of scriptures come from. A lot of people quote Paul and speak about Paul, and they misunderstand Paul to their own hurt and destruction. So the church was given for the edification of the saints. In other words, to teach and instruct that you don't come in as newborn babes of coming in the church and know it all, you have to learn of Christ. And you have to take time sometime and sit down and listen. So like I say, it's an evil time. We're in evil times. The book of Amos says, Therefore those who are wise will not try to interfere with the Lord in the dreaded day of your punishment. If you're not understanding and knowing something is God, be careful, as Gamaliel told the Pharisees when they were talking about beating the apostles and things. He said, now be careful. You may find yourself fighting against the living God. The amplified version of that, that was the living version that made that statement. 
in Amos the fifth chapter in the thirteenth verse, the Amplified says, Therefore he who is prudent and has insight will keep silent at such a corrupt and evil time. For it is an evil time when people will not listen to truth and will disregard those of good character. New Testament speaks of that. Perilous times will come. There will be people with itching ears. You asked me the other day, how do we witness or how do we say something to people and give them the scriptures or whatever? Be led by the Spirit of God. In other words, that may be your own spirit. These are things that you may be pulling from within yourself. They may be scriptural as some of the things that Job's friends were saying could have stood as a scriptural event, but none of them was applicable to Job. So all of they all they were were accusations, innuendos, and criticism because it wasn't in the proper context. See, there's a lot of scriptures out there, but to apply the scripture to a specific individual, to a specific time, that requires the prompting of the Spirit of God, giving you what to say. Not that you just know a lot of scriptures and just saying something to be saying something. That's what I would tell you when people go to talking about the Sabbath and what day you worship. Well, we don't even need to get on that conversation because there's so much other things that you're doing that that wouldn't even be come into the situation what day of worship. If you're living a adulterous life or you living some other kind of way, it doesn't make any difference about the day of worship or anything. Let's not get into that Sabbath days or whatever. That, that's why Paul, and like I said, everybody know the scriptures and things, but are you going to church? Are you going to Bible study? Are you praying and being led by the Spirit of God that God would make you wise unto salvation? Because like I said, we in a nation of graven images and idols and there's a false Christianity, there's another Jesus here. So we have to be very careful now. You have to learn. You have to be a good Berean. In God's house, uh, God's house and this judgment that's coming about that God's talking about in the book of Zephaniah, the seventh chapter, I mean the first chapter of Zephaniah, the seventh verse, this is a day of judgment on Judah, a day of judgment upon the church. He says, Stand in silence in the presence of the Lord, for the awesome day of the, his judgment has come. He has prepared a great slaughter of his people and chosen their executioners. In other words, there are a lot in the church that are marked for destruction. There are a lot in the church. The church of Ephesus, I was telling you when I started preaching about the, the God is Diana yesterday at the church at Ephesus and if we look in Revelation and we look at that church that Ephesian church that he wrote, wrote about uh, uh, chapter 2 unto the angel of the church at, of Ephesus write these things said he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand who walked in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks I know thine works and thine labor and thine patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne and hast patience for my name's sake, hast labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. This is a church that left, left their first love. This church went out of existence today. I was listening to 
preaching and teaching and I've studied this in the past. This is the church that was in Turkey or whatever. That temple or that, that church is no longer standing. The church of Ephesus did go out, you know. That's why I say the individual building is not the church. The church of God is proceeding throughout the world. It is continually growing and doing what it says doing, but buildings and people and organizations and things come and go, but that doesn't mean that they were of the Lord. That's why I say you have to be sure of your salvation. Now here were some people that were testing people that were in the church. Some of them were seeing their apostles and they know they were not. They had all type of different doctrines and had left their first love, but he says remember therefore from which thou art fallen and repent and do the first works or else I'll come and take out your candlestick from its place except thy repent. But thou hast this there, those that hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that heareth the Spirit, let him hear what the Spirit said unto the churches. To him to overcome I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the garden of the paradise of God. So those people that were doing what they're supposed to do, but you have a congregation, say if you have a congregation of a hundred people, a, a thousand people, a ten thousand people, those that's doing right, those are the one God's talking about that's going to prosper and be in his righteousness. But those that are not doing right, those that he know are not following him, destruction and dread and terror comes upon them. Just because you within an assembly or within a church, that doesn't mean that you're doing the right thing. So I say with fear and trembling, we have to work out our own salvation. Nobody can lay back and put this thing on cruise control. So he says, stand in silence. Don't stand and accuse anybody else and point the finger or whatever. Sometimes just shut up and let God work. God is in control all of the time. All of the time. God is sovereign. Stillness is essential to reception of the truth. You know, and that's what children and that's what people that are quick to the gun. Before you start off on something, let me finish telling you what I'm saying. A lot of people yeah. proceed to do things before you can finish telling them what to do. They're not listening. You can't do both. We're in a multitasking generation now. I think that's working contrary to a lot of us, and it's not helping a great deal of us. Stillness and silence, he says. Numbers the ninth chapter and the eighth verse says, And Moses said unto them, Stand still, and I will hear what the Lord will command concerning you. So Moses is waiting for instructions from God, and sometime in stillness, there's something that we can learn. That's why Isaiah, Elijah, when he was on the run, he stood still and he heard a still small voice. That's why sometimes when y'all stirred up or discombobulated, you can't think straight. That's why when you come in to pray a lot of times, a lot of times you you going going into prayer or something, it's good to go before God and just meditate a few minutes. Get quiet. Get, compose your thoughts, what you want to say to God. What do you want to pray? You don't just have to get out there and bust out and say to him a whole lot of words and things or whatever. Gather your thoughts together. Gather yourself together. Don't just rush into this. So he told them, let stand still while he hear from the Lord 
what it was that the God that God wanted to instruct him, and he wouldn't be talking of himself. A lot of times when people answer, they think you should have the answer right there, whatever. Well, maybe you're waiting for the Spirit to bring it up to you. The Spirit waits for your stillness. First Samuel, the ninth chapter, the 27th verse, it says, As they were going down to the outskirts of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Tell the servant to go on ahead of us so that he may pass by. But you stand still now so that I may proclaim the word of God to you. Let him go on. I'm not talking to him. Sometimes people are going or whatever, and you say, well, just hold back a minute. I want to talk to you. You ever held back somebody, told the other person that they could go on or whatever because you're not? Sometimes it's better to talk to a person individual or whatever, individually or whatever. So Samuel told Saul, say, stand still. Let him go ahead. And sometimes we repeat a matter or let people in on things. And sometimes you let people in on things and they'll end up talking you out of it or removing you, putting doubt or misbelief in things or whatever. So all of this is learning how to conduct ourselves and growing the Lord, grow in the Lord. First Samuel, the 12th chapter, the 7th verse, it says, Now stand here quietly before the Lord as I remind you of all the good things he has done for you and for your ancestors. And I think that's a lot of things that the younger generation of people don't have today. Someone older, someone putting them in mind how far God had brought them, what God had did for those before him, what God did for our founding, uh, for our fathers and ancestors and talking to some of my relatives the other day and I said let's talk about the family because the family have gotten way away from God we're not where we should be in God you know a lot of times you don't look at what your fathers or mothers or grandparents or whatever how they got out of the Lord and how we went away from God we should be zealous for the Lord we should be in the Lord how did we get off track Sometimes we have to sit back and analyze these things. That's what meditation calls for. That's why, like I said, sometimes that's what we're missing is conversation. We're missing conversation, the younger generation. That's why I say a lot of us are not grateful and thankful because God has brought in a lot of us from a whole long ways. And we don't reciprocate back to him the love that he's given us. A lot of us were in situations and conditions. We've gotten out of those conditions or whatever. And we're at home or doing things or whatever, and we won't even go back out to God's temple or go to his place of worship to lift him up or tell anybody else about it. God has brought you from poverty. God has brought you from hunger or destitute. God has brought you from out of a critical situation or different things, and you're not mindful of where you came from. You want to look back at the scriptures. Oh, the scriptures say, forget about those things that are behind. Now, that's why some of the feasts and some of the things that God had instituted that was a shadow of things to come. When you forget where you come from, you have a problem sometimes. When you forget what the Lord had brought you from and, and the individual you were, sometimes you're not as thankful as you should be.
Job, the 37th chapter, the 14th verse. That's why I say he's talking to two groups of people here. To one group that making graven images and idols and things, the world continues on. So he says we're in the world, but we're not of the world. So the ones that he's talking to, this is a profitable conversation, but to some, they don't understand, they can't hear, and they can't see. But it must be preached and it must be taught. And that's why I say everybody's given a chance. You remember I say stand in silence, stand still, plead your case, plead your cause. But if you went off into idolatry, if you're doing graven images and all of these things, you have to examine yourself and see where you're wrong at. That God's telling you and convicting you. We're coming up to the Lord's Supper this week. And what we're doing, you should be examining yourself. We should consistently, and that's why I was telling someone the other day that asked, how often do we do the Lord's Supper? I say, not as often as we should. I think a lot of groups, and that's why they say when they met, they broke bread and they in communion. But I said, the Bible, we don't want to be a legalist or anything. The Bible doesn't tell us how often to take of the Lord's Supper. The Passover was a type and shatter, but the Lord's Supper was a, he instituted that. He says, as often as you do this, you do this in remembrance of me. That's why if you listen to that sermon audio, there's a lot of different churches that do it each week as they meet because it keeps you in mind. It keeps, it's a memorial as often as you do this. It keeps Christ on your mind. A lot of us don't have Christ in our forefront of our mind and our meditation all day and everything. That's where your meditation should lie, upon him and in him. Job 17, chapter 14, verse says, Listen to this, Job. Stand still and consider the wonders of God. That was Elihu speaking to Job in one of his dialogue conversations to Job and Remember, Elihu was the younger person, the younger individual that was in between the older men that had rebuked Job, and Elihu had told them they were pretty harsh on Job or whatever. Then Elihu started to talk to, to Job, and the subscript, the superscript says, God is to be feared above his, above his works. His wisdom is unsearchable. So if you read the 37th chapter that, Elihu begins to tell Job about standing seal, and he calls it, it to come whether for correction of, of for his land, of for mercy. Why God's works are happening, we should wonder into the sphere of looking at the art of God, the awesomeness of God, that God's God awes us in the works that He does, His wonders and His miraculous works and everything. Sometimes if we would stand in the midst of that and consider the God we serve, we won't be so quick to pounce on God or be so offensive to say different things or whatever. Psalms 4 and 4 says, Stand before the Lord in awe, A-W-E, and do not sin against Him. Lie quietly upon your bed in silent meditation. Put your trust in the Lord and offer Him pleasing sacrifices. Lie upon your bed. See, that's what it says. The meditations of your head on your pillow. What are you thinking about? Are you meditating in the scriptures and meditating in God? These thoughts are what's reshaping and forming your mind. This is the renewing of your mind 
when you think and meditate upon those things, it says, lie quietly upon your bed. Put your trust in the Lord. Tremble with anger or fear. Do not sin, the Amplified says. Tremble with anger or feel. fear. Do not sin. Meditate in your heart upon your bed and be still. Reflect on your sin and repent of your rebellion. So you yeah, actually meditate at that day, you know, thinking of what the day was and what through went through there, whether you wake up early in the morning, I'm just laying there this morning thinking some things or whatever. When you lay down at night, think, do you meditate on what you've said that day or what you've done or whatever? What do you need to repent of? And if God gives you an opportunity to wake that day to do it differently as you're going to sleep, uh, telling and pre- praying to God and reflecting upon the dead and just how your day went and then the mistake that you may have made and to make a better day of the next day. But when you wake up to reflect over what had happened those days and thank God for giving you a chance to do better this day. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Every day is a new day. It's an opportunity to do better for the Lord. Psalms 46 chapter in the 10th verse says, Be still, know and recognize and understand that I am God. So without, like I say, without that peace, without that stillness in you, which is a virtue, which is an attribute of God, that you be able to still yourself. Even the secular people would be talking about meditation and yoga and contemplation or whatever. Are we doing that in our lives so busy and rambling? And Do we have the television? A lot of people have that television on all the time. Have that MP3 player, that music, have some type of music or something's going all the time. It's all that business. They, you know, and the old people usually tell you, get someone just be quiet. <laughs> just get there and think. Those things are good. And that's when sometimes God could come into your being and talk with you and converse with you. He says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So we don't have to stand and say, well, the church should be running this. The church will be running this. God will be running this. But it's not because of your pronunciation of that. It's because God's bringing that to pass. He's bringing everything into its place. So don't have the people think it's something that you're doing. These things are appearing and it's going so fast. And God, all nations shall come unto God. He's going to be ruling and reigning over. We're looking at the Daniel image and we're looking at the stone carved out with hands, without hands that this kingdom will rule and reign forever. So we know that that will be established. That's the one nation. It is that one nation that's under God. But it comprises, what, the whole world, the whole earth. That's the mountain of God. It's not MAGA, as they say, make America great again. No, it's not one nation above another nation. All of the nations are the same. We're all the same in Christ Jesus. None of us exalted above the other one. Stand silent, he says. Know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation in the world. Do you think that there will be any nation in this world that won't honor God? 
all of the world. If, if not, it won't be because that's what God's working to do. So within that stillness, within that quietness, that's where our strength comes from. That's where the strength is. That's what makes us strong. And a lot of us reading scriptures and saying this, trying to bring it to pass. No, being a doer of this, just actually doing this, this actually is happening. Your nature is changing. The inner man is coming alive. This is That's what he says, stand still and wait upon the Lord. Those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Strengthened and renewed by what? The Holy Spirit. Because it's a regeneration. The regenerational effect, that being born again. He's making us anew. So when David messed up with Uriah and with Bathsheba thing, in the 51st Psalm, the 10th verse when he was Nathan had came to him and he was praying to God, he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit and steadfast spirit within me. Create this anew. I know you can do this. God's spirit has to be created anew. That's the circumcision. It makes you new. All of this has been crushed. This old world has taken away. We were shaped in iniquity and formed in a world that was full of sin. And we served the master where we created images and idols of our own making. We were willing to die and fight for those things. And that's the way some of our parents lived or whatever. But now that the light has shined in on that, we must shine that light because if your parents was in darkness at that time, well, God may not be holding them accountable for that, but he holds you accountable for that because he has given you the light. Now, if you reject that light or rebel against that light, you have a problem because a lot of things that's going on that my mother wouldn't have known about, but she would knew, she would do it. That's why he said that if Sodom and Gomorrah, if they'd have known this, if, the, if Nineveh had heard this, they'd have repented in dust and ashes long ago. When they heard the preaching of Jonah, they repented or whatever. So a lot of people are getting God's word or hearing things, and in the cold hardness of their heart, they're continuing on in their own ways. They hadn't in dread and fear turned to God. The living says that same thing. It says, create in me a new clean heart, O God, filled with clean thoughts and right desires. Because the desires I had was wrong. I desired another man's wife. I killed that man over his wife. That wasn't a right desire. He says, give me clean thoughts and right desires. So if he hadn't have been up on the thing, thinking the way he was and looking and lusting after this woman, he wouldn't have did this. But now he's praying to God to create him anew, give him new thoughts. And that's why we have the renewing of our mind, the transformation forming of our mind. We no longer think the way we used to. There's a new thought pattern that has to develop. So our thoughts and ways are not like his thoughts and ways. They have to be changed and we're counting on God to do those things. And we just came out of that 40th chapter so I'm just going to read this verse and not harp on it too long. It says, but those who wait for the Lord, who expect to look for and hope in him, 
will gain new strength and renew their power. They will lift up their wings and rise up close to God. The wings is a symbol of movement, of rising above the normal situations. We will rise up above those things and calamitous things that goes up on the earth. We will walk in the newness of life. We will sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. We're not going to play with the worms and in the dust and the <laughs> dirt and all of the miry clay. We have to rise above the pettiness and the gossip. We have to rise above the tail bearing. A lot of these things, we have to brush the dust off of us and keep our clothes white. Like eagles rising toward the sun, it says, they will run and not become weary. They will walk and not grow tired. I'm worried about this sister making it to church. It's pouring down raining or whatever. And I'm in this and in the rain. God got it, a monsoon coming. It's raining this way. And she's sitting here waiting on me. <laughs> so so sometimes the race isn't just given to the swift all the time. It's those that industriously seek to seek and hear the Lord. So she wanted to get here and hear about the Lord today. Hopefully he doesn't disappoint us. God doesn't disappoint us. And God gives us that in the words that he speaks. Words are spirit. They are power in their life. That would give you hope. They strengthen you through the week. And without that weekly blessing, without those talks and everything, that's why he says forsake not the assembling together of ourselves. So coming on to the book of Romans, the second chapter, verse of the 12th chapter, because you remember it says present your bodies a living Sacrifice unto God, holy and acceptable. But that 12th chapter in the second verse says, And do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs. In other words, that the things the world devises and its customs and traditions be transformed. Don't be conformed. Being conformed meaning going along with the tolerated, the compromising. He says, but be transformed and progressively changed. In other words, it's a progress. It's a process in which we start walking away from the things of the world. We start pulling off the world, pulling off the old man, the old things of the world, as we mature, mature spiritually. And that's why I say it's a walk. It's a walk of growth. It's a walk of maturing. The things that we once did, we do no longer. He says, as a child, I understood as a child. I acted as a child. Some things we have to put away and start walking and understanding as an adult and doing this. He says, by renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes. So if we look at the political and the religious landscapes, we have the word of God to judge these things by. Whether this is politically and morally correct or ethically correct, we can make that judgment and decision. He that is spiritual judging all things. If someone's lying, we can't go along with the lie, and we can't even go along with a partial lie because that foundation eventually has to be torn down. We can't build up on those things. Be careful how you build. If you build with a person that's deceptive and that's deceitful, sooner or later you and that person not going to get along. There's no unity in that. Satan's house is divided against itself. 
God preaches unity or whatever. We don't unite to beat one common enemy, but we don't have anything. No, we're united in Christ Jesus. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. It says, So that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. We have to prove that to ourselves, that we can walk in this and we can do this, that we can overcome, that we will overcome. We don't have to play dirty because everybody else is playing dirty. We don't have to do the things the world do. We're not going to stand accusing and making accusation. We're not fighting a carnal battle on using any of these devices. We're using spiritual devices. We're pulling down the strongholds in our lives that hinder us from progress in the Lord and from establishing Him. Through faith, we help establish the laws of God. Because that same law will condemn y'all, but that same law, by we walking by faith, yeah. we're judging ourselves. Those are the cords that's going to so easily bind you. Yeah. Those same cords are loose because there's liberty in Christ Jesus. His commandments are not grievous unto us, so we take joy in doing what God tells us to do in what His Word says. That, that's nothing grievous about that. We have an inner peace and an inner joy that the world can't take it away. And since the world can't take it away or whatever, because the world didn't give it to us. So what makes you think you can make me happy or make me joyful? Only God can do that. He, David said, give me the joy, restore the joy that I once had, a joy of salvation. There's a lot of people in church don't have joy. They don't have a spirit of joy. They don't have an inner peace. Their Christianity is just as troublesome and they're just as bitter and they want everybody else as bitter. And that's why I say you can see that. God gives you that. He gives you a greater discernment as you walk closer to him. You're able to stay away from him. He says, keep them from the evil. So you learn who to associate with, who not to associate with. And you don't waste time. They're not able to waste your time because once they show themselves of who they are, now nah, I... I'm the fool if I let you keep wasting my time. The living says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but be a new and different person with a fresh newness in all you do and think. Then you will learn from your own experience how his ways will really satisfy you. If you have the experience of that, once you start experiencing this for yourself, nobody can tell you what you know or what you experience. After you experience or been through something, after, after you've yeah. suffered something, you're not so easy to move in. <laughs> after you paid and bought the price for this, you're not just going to give it away. Sure. You'll display it, but you won't give it away. You're going to have to work to get this just like I worked to get it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, some people think it's easy pickings, but it, it's not easy pickings here now. Corinthians, the second chapter, the fourth through the sixteenth verse says, "Now, like I said, when you when I pull a verse here, you need to go back. This is your weekly study to set around these things. So, watch what he's saying. The reason he says, therefore, therefore comes all the way from up. I don't say go all the way to the thirteenth. Uh, I mean the third chapter, but start at the first verse of the fourth chapter. See, he says, therefore." We do not become discouraged that he is spiritually disappointed or afraid. 
Though our outer self is progressively wasting away, yet our inner self is being progressively renewed day by day. It might look like things are not going right, but inside, this this tree is green inside. This tree is strong inside. It's not drying away. This is just as fresh and strong. Sometimes this old body looks like I'm sore and weak and tattered. The other day you say, do you need help? Oh, no, I don't look. I don't need any help up. I just look bad. I look bad, though. You know, the body falling apart, you know. The body's falling apart, but it's new inside. That's why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our inner strength in the Lord is growing every day. It might look, but it's different. This this is a rebuilt engine in here. He put a new engine in me. He gave me a new heart. It can function better than that old heart, you know. It's much better than the old one because it's built in Christ Jesus. It's eternal. Colossians, the third chapter and the tenth verse. Says, do not lie to one another, for you've stripped off the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new spiritual self. You remember I said everything that happens is spiritual, it's no longer physical in crisis. If we're being built in his image and his likeness, that's the spiritual image and likeness. And one day he'll give us a body to reflect that image and likeness. Just like when he came back in his resurrected body, he says, Touch me, this is a different body. It looked at the same body, but it was a different body. It was a body capable of going through walls and everything. It was a body capable of other things. He said, but flesh and blood have not formed. See, he had formed them. There are earthly bodies, there are terrestrial bodies, there are spiritual bodies. So we're going to pull off this old corruptible body. These old bad knees and, and this old all of these things that are corruptible, and we will put on incorruptible. But I will be known as I am known. That's why Job says, "In my body, in my flesh, I'm going to see God." Yeah. It says, "Though, put on the new spiritual self, who is being continually renewed in true knowledge in the image of Him." who created the new self. Remember I said that seventh day of creation when he created the Sabbath, that's the rest where we enter in where he's creating us spiritually. He finished us on the sixth day, you remember. Man was created. God rested from all the works he had done. But that was a physical creation. This is a spiritual creation. This is the Sabbath rest in where the Lord's do. The Spirit is doing the work. The Spirit's working now. It's not by might, not by power, but by His Spirit that He's making us new. It's a regeneration going on spiritually by the Word of God. That's why the Word is preached. When He says, Ezekiel, preach to the bones and you'll give them life. The Spirit will come into them if you just preach to them. God's word is able to give you life. He spoke the world into existence. His words are spirit. They are life. That's why the world is dying because of a lack of hearing of the word of God. There's a famine in the land. He who created the new self, a renewal in which there's no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, 
No, between nations, whether barbarian or Scythian. That's why I say, well, how we how are we making this national? How do you let some political leader come in and make this a national thing about this nation, about any particular nation? If we all one Christ Jesus, that means that there are no nations. We have to break that barrier down. Christ says you can't build back again a wall or something that he tore down. You become a transgressor. So you're saying that that's not my brother in any other part of the world, that we're not brethren and sisters, that there's no Greek, no Scythian, no Jew. Why are you trying to make the Jews different from the church? Why are you trying to make any? We all one in Christ Jesus. There's even no female or male in Christ Jesus. It says, but Christ is all in all. So believers are equal in Christ without distinction. There's no slave or free because he had set all of us at liberty. We're free in Christ Jesus. Um, I think this is the living version that says, don't tell lies to each other. It was your old life with all its wickedness that did that sort of thing. Now it is dead and gone. So if we bury the old man, which is the baptism of water, in other words, we have to put away all of those things we used to do. Now the propensity in you is to do those things. When you catch yourself doing those things, don't do them. Don't do them. That's a sacrifice. We have to be aware that within our members, within ourselves, those old desires, that old man, the remnants of him, the vestiges of him are still there. Don't feed them. When you find it, put it to death. When you find it, put it to death. Put away pride. Put away average. Put away all of these things. And when you see them, you make sure you you try to fight them like the worst enemy you could fight. Self. Put self to death. You are living a brand new kind of life that is continually learning more and more of what is right and trying constantly to be more and more like Christ who created this new life within you. And as you do that more and more, that part of you that you put in the death of fighting, fighting, it's going to fight harder and harder, but you resist the devil. He's going to flee. Don't aid and abet in him. Don't compromise and tolerate him. You call upon Christ and you look unto his word and meditate in his word and that's where the sacrifices may have to come in. In this new life, one's nationality or race or education or social position is unimportant. Don't let people tell you against the immigrants. Don't let people tell you against somebody's social status or their educational or class status or whatever. Such things mean nothing. Whether a person has Christ is what matters, and he is equally available to all. He's equally available to all. That's what matters, whether you really have Christ or not. So Titus 3.5 is the last one we're going to study in that vein. And it says, put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers. That is, governments and authority. That's why I say this insurrection on January 6th. Very disturbing, very disturbing that the nation is to that point and the very disturbing 
of the so-called Christian or religious people involved in such a thing. When you have a scripture here to put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, you try to overthrow the government or the will of those governmental leaders or that law. It says to obey magistrates, to be ready to do every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. Meekness, in other words, power under control. Even though you can do these things, God has control of you. The Spirit controls you as temperance. You don't allow yourself to do the things that you would do if you were a carnal or fleshly person. You don't let nobody whoop the crowd into a frenzy. There are people and there are preachers, and that's why I say a lot of churches, people whip you into an emotional frenzy or whatever, but do you know what's going on around you? Do you have a clearance, a clear head as just what you're being a part of? Are you just part of the mob violence? And that's why Jesus said, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You didn't got hooked up in all of this and you being controlled by the crowd. We will see this this Saturday when we this, when we are preaching on Demetrius the coppersmith when he whooped the people up into a crowd of frenzy at an unlawful assembly in which they could have been prosecuted for. It is against the law to riot and disassemble. That's an ecclesiastic, that's an assembly, that's a wrong assembly. A lot of people say ecclesiastic, ecclesia means the church. No, the word ecclesiastic means assembly. Sometimes it could mean, it, its synonym is with the church. But all assemblies are, are, are not church assemblies. Do you understand what I'm saying? The ecclesiastics, the crowd came together. It was an unlawful assembly. It was one that was disruptible. And when the, they put forth, well, let me not go down. I'll talk to you about that, Sarah. <laughs> yeah. But it says, Be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometime foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers lust and pleasure. That word divers means many different lust, many different pleasures. There was a variation of things in our lives. We have to search those things out in our lives and pull them out. That's what the Word of God does. It roots those things out. It sanctifies you. The Word of God sanctifies you. It gets out covetousness. It gets out greed. It gets out all of these lasciviousness. All of these things that are the works of the flesh those things have to be put away because we're being regenerated. We're being made anew. And we do that through the quietness and the stillness of his word working in us both to will and to do. For we ourselves were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lust and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared not by works of righteousness which we have done but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost how did he save us when he regeneration when regeneration came the justification came he put us in a different state in a different 
place and we, that old man was eradicated through repentance and turning around, God set us apart and gave us his righteousness. He placed us in right standing with us. So there was a regeneration that started. With that repentance, a regeneration started, a turning, a making of a new man, a new individual. The old man was baptized. He was put to death. He was placed in a watery grave. The one that resurrected the life that rose up to walk in the newness of life. The new creation in Christ Jesus. This was a new man in Christ. You're not the same. Your body now is no longer your body. You can't do what you want to do with the body. So you have to mortify the members of the body. In other words, put them to death. You cannot yield your body or your members to unrighteousness. You yield yourself to righteousness, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's who your master is now. You're a bondservant of Jesus Christ. You yield your members to righteousness' sake and to do righteous things and renewing of the Holy Ghost so we continually being filled by the Holy Spirit now that spirit that working in us is changing vices into virtues we no longer do it instead of hating one another we love our enemies we love everybody because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts so instead of being bitter we're being kind and gentle instead of responding with a hateful and resentful way we respond in kindness and gentleness and meekness. It says, And renewing of the Holy Ghost which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace. What happened? By his grace we were justified. We were put in right standing by the grace of God. Grace is God's unmerited favor toward man. So he justified. He put us in proper standing, not, not anything but we that we had done, but now he's going to take that justified man and take him through a process where he develop a character in him, the way he develop an image and a likeness of himself in him. We should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. What we're joint heirs with Christ? Well, we have to live as Christ lived. We have to do as Christ did, and you don't have you don't have to worry about it. You will suffer as he suffered. But in that suffering, you'll learn obedience through the things that you have suffered. Regeneration is symbolized by baptism and the laying on of hands. Regeneration is symbolized by baptism and the laying on of hands. Uh, it involves such thing as an internal cleansing, rising in the newness of life from the watery grave, becoming a new creation and receiving God's spirit. This step is commonly called being born again, but the Bible calls it regeneration. So when we have a confrontation with God at the beginning of his salvation process, we're dead to sin. We need to be regenerated, given life once again, quickened. Quickened, that is, made alive. He makes us alive, and we're no longer transgressors as we were. We're new creation, so... We no longer walk in darkness. We walk in light as he's in the light. We have fellowship with him as he's in the light in his, in his word. And that's our milk. We grow in the word. And as we eat of the word and live of the word and pray, we begin to be strong and begin to 
be able to do the things and complete it. Heavenly Father, 